Chapter 3 The Eyes of a Child Massage, the young apprentice, which at this point in his magical using career meant that he was no more than a cleaning attendant, leaned on his broom and watched as Alton de Vere moved through the door into the highest chamber of the spire. Massage almost felt sympathy for the student, who had to go in and face the faceless one. Massage felt excitement as well, though, knowing that the ensuing fireworks between Alton and the faceless master would be well worth the watching. He went back to his sweeping, using his broom as an excuse to get further around the curve of the room's floor, closer to the door. "'You requested my presence, Master Faceless One,' Alton Devere said again, keeping one hand in front of his face and squinting to fight the brilliant glare of the room's three lighted candles. Alton shifted uncomfortably from one foot to the other just inside the shadowy room's door. Hunched across the way, the Faceless One kept his back to the young Devere. Better to be done with this cleanly, the master reminded himself. He knew, though, that the spell he was now preparing would kill Alton before the student could learn his family's fate, before the faceless one could fully complete Dinan Duarden's final instructions. Too much was at stake, though. Better to be done with this cleanly. You, Alton began again, but he prudently held his words and tried to sort out the situation before him. How unusual to be summoned to the private chambers of a master of the academy before the day's lessons had even begun. When he had first received the summons, Alton feared that he had somehow failed one of his lessons. That could be a fatal mistake at Sorcerre. Alton was close to graduation, but the disdain of a single master could put an end to that. He had done quite well in his lessons with the Faceless One, had even believed that the mysterious master favored him. Could this call be simply a courtesy of congratulations on his impending graduation? Unlikely, Alton realized against his hopes. Masters of the Drow Academy do not often congratulate students. Alton then heard quiet chanting and noticed that the master was in the midst of spellcasting. Something cried out as very wrong to him now. Something about this whole situation did not fit the strict ways of the Academy. Alton set his feet firmly and tensed his muscles, following the advice of the motto that had been drilled into the thoughts of every student at the academy, the precept that kept drow elves alive in a society so devoted to chaos. Be prepared. The doors exploded before him, showering the room with stone splinters and throwing massage back against the wall. He felt the show well worth both the inconvenience and the new bruise on his shoulder when Alton Devere scrambled out of the room. The student's back and left arm trailed wisps of smoke, and the most exquisite expression of terror and pain that Massage had ever seen was etched on the Devere noble's face. Alton stumbled to the floor and kicked into a roll, desperate to put some ground between himself and the murderous master. He made it down and around the descending arc of the room's floor and through the door that led into the next lower chamber, just as the faceless one made his appearance at the sundered door. The master stopped to spit a curse at his misfire and to consider the best way to replace his door. "'Clean it up!' he snapped at Massage, who was again leaning casually with his hands atop his broomstick and his chin atop his hands. 
Massage obediently dropped his head and started sweeping the stone splinters. He looked up as the faceless one stalked past, however, and cautiously started after the master. Alton couldn't possibly escape, and this show would be too good to miss. The third room, the faceless one's private library, was the brightest of the four in the spire, with dozens of candles burning on each wall. "'Damn this light!' Alton spat, stumbling his way down through the dizzying blur to the door that led to the faceless one's entry hall, the lowest room of the master's quarters. If he could get down from the spire and outside of the tower to the courtyard of the academy, he might be able to turn the momentum against the master. Alton's world remained the darkness of Menza Baranzen, but the faceless one, who had spent many decades in the candlelight of Sorcerer, had grown accustomed to using his eyes to see shades of light, not heat. The entry hall was cluttered with chairs and chests, but only one candle burned there, and Alton could see clearly enough to dodge or leap any obstacles. He rushed to the door and grabbed the heavy latch. It turned easily enough, but when Alton tried to shoulder through the door, it didn't budge, and a burst of sparkling blue energy threw him back to the floor. "'Curse this place!' Alton spat. The portal was magically held. He knew a spell to open such an enchanted door, but doubted whether his magic would be strong enough to dispel the castings of a master. In his haste and fear, the words of the Dwemer floated through Alton's thoughts in an indecipherable jumble. "'Do not run, Devere,' came the faceless one's call from the previous chamber. "'You only lengthen your torment!' "'A curse upon you, too!' Alton replied under his breath. Alton forgot about the stupid spell. It would never come to him in time. He glanced around the room for an option. His eyes found something unusual halfway up the side wall, in an opening between two large cabinets.' Alton scrambled back a few steps to get a better angle, but found himself caught within the range of the candlelight, within the deceptive field where his eyes registered both heat and light. He could only discern that this section of the wall showed a uniform glow in the heat spectrum and that its hue was subtly different from the stone of the walls. Another doorway? Alton could only hope his guess to be right. He rushed back to the center of the room, stood directly across from the object, and forced his eyes away from the infrared spectrum, fully back into the world of light. As his eyes adjusted, what came into view both startled and confused the young Devere. He saw no doorway, not an opening to another chamber behind it. What he looked upon was the reflection of himself and a portion of the room where he now stood. Alton had never in his fifty-five years of life witnessed such a spectacle. But he had heard the masters of sorcerers speak of these devices. It was a mirror. A movement in the upper doorway of the chamber reminded Alton that the faceless one was almost upon him. He couldn't hesitate to ponder his options. He put his head down and charged the mirror. Perhaps it was a teleportation door to another section of the city. Perhaps a simple door to a room beyond. Or perhaps... Alton dared to imagine in those last few desperate seconds this was some interplanular gate that would bring him into a strange and unknown plane of existence. He felt the tingling excitement of adventure pulling him on as he neared the wondrous thing. Then he felt only the impact, the shattering glass, and the unyielding stone wall behind it. Perhaps it was just a mirror. Look at his eyes. Verna whispered to Maya as they examined the newest member of House to Arden. 
Truly the babe's eyes were remarkable. Though the child had been out of the womb for less than an hour, the pupils of his orbs darted back and forth inquisitively. While they showed the expected radiating glow of eyes seeing in the infrared spectrum, the familiar redness had been tinted by a shade of blue, giving them a violet hue. Blind? wondered Maya. Perhaps this one will be given to the Spider Queen still. Breeza looked back at them anxiously. Dark elves did not allow children showing any physical deficiencies to live. No, not blind, replied Verna, passing her hand over the child and casting an angry glare at both of her eager sisters. He follows my fingers. Maya saw that Verna spoke the truth. She leaned closer to the babe, studying his face and strange eyes. "'What do you see, Drizduiden?' she asked softly, not an act of gentleness toward the babe, but so that she would not disturb her mother, resting in the chair at the head of the spider idol. "'What do you see that the rest of us cannot?' Glass crunched under Alton, digging deeper wounds as he shifted his weight in an effort to rise to his feet. "'What would it matter?' he thought. "'My mirror!' He heard the faceless one groan, and he looked up to see the outraged master towering over him. How huge he seemed to Alton! How great and powerful, fully blocking the candlelight from this little alcove between the cabinets, his form enhanced tenfold to the eyes of the helpless victim by the mere implications of his presence. Alton then felt a gooey substance floating down around him, detached webbing finding a sticky hold on the cabinets and on the wall, and on Alton. The young Devere tried to leap up and roll away, but the faceless one's spell already held him fast, trapped him like a dirged fly would be trapped in the strands of a spider's home. First, my door!' the faceless one growled at him. "'And now this! My mirror! Do you know the pains I suffered to acquire such a rare device?' Alton turned his head from side to side, not in answer, but to free at least his face from the binding substance." "'Why did you not just stand still and let the deed be finished cleanly?' "'The faceless one roared, thoroughly disgusted. "'Why?' Alton lisped, spitting some of the webbing from his thin lips. "'Why would you want to kill me?' "'Because you broke my mirror!' "'It didn't make any sense, of course. "'The mirror had only been shattered after the initial attack. "'But to the master,' Alton supposed, "'it didn't have to make sense.' Alton knew his cause to be hopeless, but he continued on in his efforts to dissuade his opponent. "'You know of my house, of House Devere, he said, indignant. Fourth in the city. Matron Ginefe will not be pleased. A high priestess has ways to learn the truth of such situations.' "'House Devere!' the faceless one laughed. Perhaps the torments that Dinan Duarden had requested would be in line after all.' Alton had broken his mirror. Fourth house, Alton spat. Foolish youth, the faceless one cackled. House Devere is no more. Not fourth, not fifty-fourth, nothing. Alton slumped, though the webbing did its best to hold his body erect. What could the master be babbling about? They're all dead, the faceless one taunted. Matron Jennifer sees Loth more clearly this day. Alton's expression of horror pleased the disfigured master. All dead, he snarled one more time. Except for poor Alton, 
who lives on to hear of his family's misfortune. That oversight shall be remedied now. The faceless one raised his hands to cast the spell. Who? Alton cried. The faceless one paused and seemed not to understand. What house did this? The doomed student clarified. Or what conspiracy of houses brought down Devere? Ah, you should be told, replied the faceless one, obviously enjoying the situation. I suppose it is your right to know before you join your kin in the realm of death. A smile widened across the opening where the lips had once been. But you broke my mirror, the master growled. Die, stupid, stupid boy! Find your own answers! The faceless one's chest jerked out suddenly, and he shuddered in convulsions, babbling curses in a tongue far beyond the terrified student's comprehension. What vile spell did the disfigured master have prepared for him? so wretched that its chant sounded like an arcane language foreign to the learned ears of Alton, so unspeakably evil that its semantics jerked on the very edge of its master's control. The faceless one then fell forward to the floor and expired. Stunned, Alton followed the line of the master's hood down to his back to the tail of the protruding dart. Alton watched the poisoned thing as it continued to shudder from the body's impact, then he turned his scan upwards to the center of the room, where the young cleaning attendant stood calmly. Nice weapon, faceless one, Massage beamed, rolling a two-handed crafted crossbow over in his hands. He threw a wicked smile at Alton and fitted another dart. Matron Malice hoisted herself out of her chair and willed herself to her feet. Out of the way, she snapped at her daughter's. Maya and Verna scooted away from the spider idol and the baby. "'See his eyes, matron mother,' Verna dared to remark. "'They are so unusual.' Matron Malice studied the child. Everything seemed in place, and a good thing, too, for Nalfane, elder boy of House de Warden, was dead, and this boy, Drizzed, would have a difficult job replacing that valuable son. "'His eyes,' Verna said again. The matron shot her a venomous look, but bent low to see what the fuss was about. Purple, Malice said, startled. Never had she heard of such a thing, ever. He's not blind, Maya was quick to put in, seeing the disdain spreading across his mother's face. Fetch the candle, matron Malice ordered. Let us see how these eyes appear in the world of light. Maya and Verna reflexively headed for the sacred cabinet, but Brisa cut them off. Only a high priestess may touch the holy items. She reminded them in a tone that carried the weight of a threat. She spun around haughtily, reached into the cabinet, and produced a single half-used red candle. The clerics hid their eyes, and Matron Malice put a prudent hand over the baby's face as Brisa lit the sacred candle. It produced only a tiny flame but to drow eyes it came as a brilliant intrusion. "'Bring it!' said Matron Malice after several moments of adjustment. Breeza moved the candle near Drizzt, and Malice gradually slid her hand away. "'He does not cry!' Breeza remarked, amazed that the babe could quietly accept such a stinging light. 
"'Purple again!' whispered the matron, paying no heed to her daughter's ramblings. "'In both worlds the child's eyes show as purple!' Verna gasped audibly when she looked again upon the tiny brother and his striking lavender orbs. "'He is your brother,' Matron Malice reminded her, viewing Verna's gasp as a hint of what might come. "'When he grows older and those eyes pierce you, remember on your life that he is your brother.' Verna turned away, almost blurting a reply she would have regretted making. Matron Malice's exploits with nearly every male soldier of the Duarden house, and many others that the seductive matron managed to sneak away from other houses, were almost legendary in Mensa Baranzen. Who was she to be spouting reminders of prudent and proper behavior? Verna bit her lip and hoped that neither Breeza nor Malice had been reading her thoughts at that moment. In Mensa Baranzen, thinking about such gossip about a high priestess, whether it was true or not, got you painfully executed. Her mother's eyes narrowed, and Verna thought that she had been discovered. "'He is yours to prepare,' Mitchell said to her. "'Maya is younger,' Verna dared to protest. "'I could attain the level of high priestess in but a few years if I keep to my studies.' "'Or never,' the matron Malice sternly reminded her. "'Take the child to the chapel proper, wean him to words, "'and teach him all that he will need to know "'to properly serve as a page prince of House Duarden.' "'I'll see to him,' Breeza offered, "'one hand subconsciously slipping to her snake-headed whip. "'I do so enjoy teaching males their place in our world.' "'Malice glared at her. "'You are a high priestess.' "'You have other duties more important than word-weaning a male child.' "'Then to Verna she said, "'The babe is yours. Do not disappoint me in this. "'The lessons you teach Drizzt will reinforce your own understanding of our ways. "'This exercise at mothering will aid you in your quest to become a high priestess.' "'She let Verna take a moment to view the task in a more positive light.' Then her tone became unmistakably threatening once again. "'It may aid you, but it surely can destroy you!' Verna sighed, but kept her thoughts silent. The chore that Matron Malice had dropped on her shoulders would consume the bulk of her time for at least ten years. Verna didn't like the prospect, she and this purple-eyed child together for ten long years. The alternative, however, the wrath of Matron Malice to Arden, seemed a worse thing by far. Alton blew another web from his mouth. You're just a boy, an apprentice, he stammered. Why would you kill him? Massage finished the thought. Not to save you, if that's your hope. He spat down at the faceless one's body. Look at me, a prince of the sixth house, a cleaning steward for that wretched... Hunnette. House Hunnette is the sixth house. The younger drow put a finger to his pursed lips. "'Wait!' he remarked with a widening smile, an evil smile of sarcasm. "'We are the fifth house now, I suppose, with Devere wiped out.' "'Not yet!' Alton growled. Eh, "'Momentarily!' Massage assured him, fingering the crossbow quarrel. Alton slumped even farther back into the web. 
To be killed by a master was bad enough, but the indignity of being shot down by a boy. I suppose I should thank you, Massage said. I had planned to kill that one for many a ten-day. Why? Alton pressed his new assailant. You would dare to kill a master or sorcerer simply because your family put you in servitude to him? Because he would snub me, Massage yelled. Four years I have slaves for him that back end of a carrion crawler, cleaned his boots, prepared salve for his disgusting face. Was it ever enough? Not for that one. He spat at the corpse again and continued, talking more to himself than to the trapped student. Nobles aspiring to wizardry have the advantage of being trained as apprentices before they reach the proper age for entry into Thorthair. Of course, Alton said. I myself trained under— He meant to keep me out of Thorthair, Massage rambled, ignoring Alton altogether. He would have forced me into melee match there, the fighter's school instead. The fighter's school— "'My twenty-fifth birthday is only two ten days away!' Massage looked up as though he suddenly remembered that he was not alone in the room. "'I knew I must kill him!' he continued, now speaking directly to Alton. "'Then you came along to make it all so convenient. "'A student and master killing each other in a fight. "'It has happened before. Who would question it?' I suppose, then, I should thank you, Alton de Vere, of no house worth mentioning, Massage chided with a low, sweeping bow. Before I kill you, I mean. Wait, cried Alton. Kill me to what gain? Alibi. But you have your alibi, and we can make it better. Explain, said Massage, who admittedly was in no particular hurry. The faceless one was a high-level wizard, and the webs weren't going anywhere any time soon. "'Free me,' Alton said earnestly. "'Can you be as stupid as the faceless one proclaimed you?' Alton took the insult stoically. The kid did have the crossbow. "'Free me so that I may assume the faceless one's identity,' he explained. "'The death of a master arouses suspicion, but if no master is believed dead—' "'And what of this?' Massage asked, kicking the corpse. "'Burn it,' said Alton, his desperate plan coming fully into focus. "'Let it be Alton de Vere. House de Vere is no more, so there will be no retaliation, no questions.' Massage seemed skeptical. "'The faceless one was practically a hermit,' Alton reasoned. "'And I am near to graduation. "'Certainly I can handle the simple chores of basic teaching "'after thirty-five years of study. "'And what is my gain?' "'Alton gawked, nearly burying himself in webbing, "'as if the answer was obvious. "'A master in sorcerer to call mentor, "'one who can ease your way through your years of study, "'and one who can dispose of a witness at his earliest convenience,' "'Massage added slyly. "'And then... What would be my gain? Alton shot back. To anger House Hanette, fifth in all the city, and I with no family to my back. No, young Massage, I'm not as stupid as the faceless one named me. Massage ticked a long and pointed fingernail against his teeth and considered the possibilities. An ally among the masters of Sorcerer. 
This held possibilities. Another thought popped into Massage's mind, and he pulled open the cabinet to Alton's side and began rummaging through the contents. Alton flinched when he heard some ceramics and glass containers crashing together, thinking of the components possibly even completed potions that might be lost by the apprentice's carelessness. Perhaps melee match there would be the better choice for this one, he thought. A moment later, though, the younger drow reappeared, and Alton remembered that he was in no position to make such judgments. This is mine, Massage demanded, showing Alton a small black object, a remarkably detailed onx figurine of a hunting panther. A gift from a denizen of the lower plains for some help I gave to him. You aided such a creature? Alton had to ask, finding it difficult to believe that a mere apprentice had the resources necessary to even survive an encounter with such an unpredictable and mighty foe. The faithless one, Massage kicked the corpse again, took the credit and the statue, but they are mine. Everything else in here will go to you, of course. I know the magical dormers of most and will show you what is what. Brightening at the hope that he would indeed survive this dreadful day, Alton cared little about the figurine at the moment. All he wanted was to be free to the web so that he could find out the truth of his house's fate. Then Massage, ever the confusing young drow, turned suddenly and started away. "'Where are you going?' Alton asked. "'To get the acid.' "'Acid?' Alton hid his panic well, though he had a terrible feeling that he understood what Massage meant to do. "'You want the disguise to appear authentic,' Massage explained matter-of-factly. "'Otherwise it would not be much of a disguise. "'We should take advantage of the web while it lasts. "'It will hold you still.' "'No,' Alton started to protest, "'but Massage wheeled on him, the evil grin wide on his face. "'It does seem a bit of a pain and a lot of trouble to go through,' Massage admitted." You have no family and will find no allies in Thorthair, since the faithless one was so despised by the other masters. He brought the crossbow up level with Alton's eyes and fitted another poison dart. Perhaps you would prefer death? Get the acid, Alton cried. To what end? Massage teased, waving the crossbow. What have you to live for, Alton the Veer, of no health worth mentioning? Revenge, Alton sneered, the sheer wrath of his tone setting the confident massage on his heels. You've not learned this yet, though you will, my young student. But nothing in life gives more purpose than the hunger for revenge. Massage lowered the bow and eyed the trapped drow with respect, almost fear. Still, the apprentice Honette could not appreciate the gravity of Alton's proclamation until Alton reiterated this time with an eager smile upon his face. Get the acid. <laughs>